that we've been studying together in this Way Up series is designed to give us God's lens to see the world. And today we're going to be bringing this series to a close and we are going to see a concept, this concept of blessings. And and we want to be able to see our lives through the lens of the blessings that God has for us. Glasses are tailor-made to help you see things more clearly. But wearing the wrong prescription will make everything blurry and out of focus. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shares that God wants you to view life through the lens of blessing. Living in the reality of who God is and all He's done for you changes how you walk through your days. It'll prompt you to live with gratitude instead of grumbling. Then you'll see more clearly who God is and what life's all about. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 133 as he begins his message, Blessings. So as we bring this series that we've been doing called The Way Up to a Close, I'm always blown away as a teacher, as a pastor, as we do these series to see kind of the journey that these series takes. As, as I plan a series, I'm always like, Lord, what are you going to do? And then as we move through a series, I'm always kind of blown away by the things that I don't expect to happen. In this series, we keep looking at these songs of ascent, these, these songs that were recited three times a year for the entirety of a, of a child of Israel's life as they would go to Jerusalem to worship. And, and I, I didn't realize it at the beginning, but all of these psalms contain big ideas that were designed by the Lord to help them see their lives through the lens of who he is and what he's done. And in so many ways, if you want to travel the way up from wherever you are, that way up being closer to the Lord, as I always like to remind you that in the Bible, they're always going up to Jerusalem. That's also because Jerusalem was on Mount Zion, so it was a little higher in elevation. But it would also have the implication that because God chose to meet with his people there through the tabernacle and the temple, that as you move closer to the Lord in a, in a, in a symbolic way, you're, you're moving up. And, and so in this journey of our lives, as we follow Jesus, we should, wherever Jesus has found us on that journey, we should sense that our, our lives are growing, they're blossoming. We are on this way up. And there's all these different themes for us in the midst of it that we want to be able to see our lives through. I mean, I think about when I lost my mom when I was in my early 20s in college. I wasn't yet a believer. And so the, the lens through which you see the, the loss of a loved one when you don't know the Lord is very different from when you do know the Lord, right? So like, I remember for me, when my mother passed away, I had never thought about the afterlife at all. I'd never really wondered about like, what happens after you die? And I remember when my mom passed away, that was one of the first things I'm like, well, what happens now? And I didn't have an answer. Like, I was just like, I, I don't know. 
I wonder what happens. And then and I started thinking about all the different ways I could look at it. For some people, like, well, you know, you're just recycled matter. So when you die, you just go back to the earth and it just, and that's the end of that. And it's like, and then, then, then you, you talk to different people, like, oh, well, listen, when you die, then you become back as something either better or worse, depending on if you had a good life or a bad life. And I'm like, well, who gets to judge that? And they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, and she's so having all these conversations. And there's all these different realities to it. I remember at that time, because I didn't know what to do with it, I didn't really have like a spiritual lens through which to look at eternity. And I was kind of like, oh. And I remember because when I was in college, a number of years earlier, a bunch of my friends started getting really spiritual. You know, it was like they were in college and they were taking religion classes. I was taking those classes too, but they were getting really spiritual. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not really spiritual. I'm just in it for fun. But then I also realized that sometimes life isn't always fun. And so, so what God wants for each one of us as we follow Jesus is he wants to give us the lens of the Holy Spirit through which to see the world in which we live. And if you think about what a lens does, like, you know, maybe you wear corrective lenses, glasses, or, or contact lenses, it's meant to clarify and put things into focus. And if you've ever worn somebody else's glasses— right? You realize how when you put on the wrong lenses, everything gets blurry. And when you say yes to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit becomes the lens through which we see all these different aspects of life. And these songs of ascent that we've been studying together in this Way Up series is designed to give us God's lens to see the world. And today we're going to be bringing this series to a close and we are going to see a concept, this concept of blessings. And, and we want to be able to see our lives through the lens of the blessings that God has for us. So in order to get at this, I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalm number 133. Psalm 133, as we take our first of the two Psalms, we take Psalm 133 and 134 today. But we'll start in Psalm number 133 and It's amazing how simple yet needed what we're going to talk about today is. Look what it says, verse 1. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon Descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So the first blessing we want to talk about here is simply the blessing of unity. The blessing of unity. Because it begins, behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it begins to unpack different word pictures to see what this unity is and how does it look. But notice that one of the blessings God gives is the blessing of unity and the unity amongst the people of God. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. But guess what? We live in a world that is marked by division, right? And then you have polarization everywhere. Like I grew up outside of New York and so, you know, I grew up uh, rooting for the Yankees and then there was the, the Yankees and the Boston divisions, whether it was, you know, the Yankees and, and, and the Red Sox and the curse of the Bambino and because the, the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth and then he became a famous Babe Ruth and all that stuff that went on. And of course you have the Giants and the Patriots. You know, I know that the Patriots were, you know, the team of the decade, but when they lose, lose in the Super Bowl, it's because they lose to the Giants. It's kind of just the way that it goes. And, and 
and so you have all these areas of division. And of course, then you have our, our political divisions in our culture today and all of the different social divisions that we have in all these different areas. And that's the way the flesh works. I like to say that the flesh divides. But for the people of God, because we live in a world full of divisions, we've also seen the divisions creep its way into the church. And it's always been that way because the church is full of people. And so, you know, it's not like the, we have more church division today than they did 2,000 years ago because you read the book of Acts and almost immediately when non-Jewish people begin to put their faith and trust in Jesus, when the Gentiles start saying yes to Jesus, the church starts to have issues, right? As the apostle Paul is traveling all throughout the Gentile world, there are people going at them. They go, oh, Paul's not telling you the whole story. You have to really become Jewish to become a Christian, you know? And, and the early church by Acts chapter 15, they're having the Jerusalem council to settle what was an area of division in the church. Every one of the letters to a church is actually designed to deal with some of the divisions that were happening in the people of God. Now, why does division happen? Because people are involved and flesh, the flesh divides. But really what we learn here is that when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, that how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. So because I know that the flesh divides, I always have to remember grace brings together. See, my flesh divided me from a relationship with God, but God's grace as it overcomes my sinfulness, now I get to have a union with God. I get to be at unity with God. So God's grace overcomes my flesh's division. And in the same way, when believers allow the grace of God to override their fleshliness, then unity happens. But we live in a day and age now where we really see our society cannibalizing. It's eating itself alive. And we see the same thing going on in the church today. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You have no control over what anybody else does except what you do. You have no control over what anybody else does, but you have control over what you do. And here's what I want to tell you. You and I, as part of the Crossroads family, because we believe in Jesus, we should always work for unity. Because unity is a blessing. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. So we should make it our goal to seek after unity as opposed to division at every turn. Now, I am not saying that we should, that we should have unity at all costs. Because sometimes in the name of unity, we begin to not let the Bible be the Bible. Not let the word of God. So I'm not saying that we should always be unified no matter what. The ideal is not unity at all costs. The ideal is Jesus at the center, God's grace. And then we realize that there is unity in diversity. Just the way there's one God in the Bible and God reveals himself to humanity in three persons. There's unity and diversity. Within the body of Christ, there should be unity and diversity. But we live in a day and age where because we're so insecure and, we, and, we, and we're nurtured in a divided culture, people start to, in areas of diversity, they start to make a, a small difference and they make it the whole thing. I, I remember, you know, seeing this uh, when, when I remember I went into a town and there I saw there was the first church and then there was the second church and there's the third church and there was the fourth church all within the same denomination i'm like well, what's that all about and like oh well people got mad at the people at the first church they started the second church and then they started the third church and then we had this big division in our, in our denomination and we had the fourth church and and and, and that's just like a, a real symbolic way to see what this is but here's the question that i have for you if God desires his people to be unified, are you right now proactively working for unity or are you undermining unity? That's the big question. For you, 
Are you proactively either working towards unity or are you proactively undermining unity? Because how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, in these verses, you really see what fights against unity, what fights against it. The opposite, of course, is uh, lowliness, is pride. The opposite of gentleness, of course, is is arrogance or or abrasiveness. The opposite of uh, long-suffering is impatient. The, The opposite of bearing with one another is trying to get rid of one another. And so all of these things are ways that we actively undermine unity if we're proud, if we're, if we're aggressive, if we're not patient with people, if we're not, if we're, if we're willing to discard people if we disagree with them. And, and, but if we choose lowliness and gentleness and long suffering, all like Jesus, we bear with one another just the way Jesus bears with us, then we can endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And this blessing of unity is so profound that it's actually, the psalmist used an analogy to point to what it looks like. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. So the first picture is that when the brethren dwell together in unity, it's as precious as the precious anointing oil that was only used to set apart the high priest. Like that, they're saying unity in the brethren is so precious that it's like this oil that was only used when the high priest was set apart and he was anointed. And of course, that oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of a person, they are not dividing, but they're seeking, how do I bring people together again? So I believe that we can always see when the Spirit of God is at work because we know the Spirit of God's job is to take what is Jesus and declare it to people. So the Spirit's job is to unite sinners with Jesus, with their Savior, with the Lord. And in the same way, on the horizontal level, with us and other people, you know the Spirit is at work when people are working to try and take what is divided and bring it back together again. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, this is what the psalm is saying, that unity in the people of God is as precious as the oil that was only used to anoint the new high priest. It was set apart for a specific purpose. That's a precious oil. Unity is precious in the eyes of the Lord. What else is this unity like? Notice this, and we, we might not think anything of this here in the Pacific Northwest. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, live life forevermore. Now it's a picture of dew. Now I know for us, we live in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest. Pastor Bill Ritchie, our, our founding pastor here at Crosses, when he invited me up, you know, we had been living, I was from New Jersey, but me and uh, my bride had been living in California where my bride was from. And he's like, listen, after you've been here for about 15 years, you'll end up getting webbed feet. You'll be fine with the rain. So the idea for us of like the dew of Hermon, you're like, what's, what's the big deal about some dew? We get 100 straight days of rain in the winter. What's going on with this? But listen, in Israel, it's, it's, it's a desert climate. It's an arid climate. And so in the midst of the summer months, Mount Hermon was the highest mountain there in Israel, and it was known for all the dew that would settle on at night. And in a, in a, in a dry climate, that dew is, is important because it moisturizes the land. And in the same way, that's how God sees unity. And he wants us, as his kids, to seek after unity 
with other believers. Does that mean you're going to agree with everybody on every point of doctrine? No. But if you agree on the big things, then we can choose as a family to discuss the other things and not demonize one another. You know, it's amazing. You know, I've seen a, a lot of that. Obviously, I realize, you know, like, like I have a, a big head of dreads. You see all those? You know, and, and there are some people, they, they go and they read First Corinthians chapter 11. And because it says that, you know, a man sh- men should have their hair short, it also says that women should have their head covered. And then Paul says, it's not a rule. This is just my advice at the end of the chapter, which is classic, right? So, so he's like, listen, and part of that, the only place of the discussion of hair length is in the church of Corinth. Because if you read about what was going on in the city of Corinth, the women who worked as the temple prostitutes, every woman had their hair covered in that culture except the temple prostitutes in Corinth. And the men only had, the, the temple priests in Corinth all had long hair. So Paul said in the church of Corinth, listen, you want to be distinct from what was going on in the, the pagan practices that they were used to, right? So then he, he's writing to them, and he's talking about this, because in their freedom in Christ, the men are like, listen, man, I, you know, I'd rather have long hair. And the women are like, I don't want to cover my head. So Paul's advising them to make sure that they are separated out from their culture. And then he reminds them, listen, but we really don't have any rule. This is just my insight into it, right? But then people are like, man, Crossroads is bad because their pastor's got long hair. I'm like, listen, I'm the same. If I shaved my head, I'm still the same person. I still believe the same exact thing. I still preach the same exact thing. So, so how does my hair impact this? But peop, some people have chosen that this is a big thing. You know, it's funny. If you, if you look at the, the, the Crossroads Google reviews, the only reason we have bad Google reviews is because we're a big church, so we have cameras and lights, and the pastor's got long hair right now. The only reason why. So I'm like, okay, so we need lights because it's a big room, right? And I, I can cut my hair tomorrow. That's like, I'm still the exact same person. I have all the same issues. Right? Except I don't have great hair. But that would be a different discussion. And, but some people want to make that a dividing point. I think that that's silly. Obviously. Right? And, and the thing is, is that that's just an example. But we can do this with people where somebody chooses to practice differently. And we want to divide over it. But then I'm like, no, no, no. One of the blessings of being part of the children of God is that there's diversity within the children of God. And as long as the big things are the same, Jesus, the Bible... God's purposes and plans for humanity, who God is. As long as those things are there, I, can, I realize all of us are going to get a theology upgrade when we take our last breath. No matter how much, and I study the Bible every day, and I want to teach my own, and I want to go deeper in it, but I realize just as I'm growing in my understanding of who God is as I'm on this journey, when I take my last breath, and, and I no longer see through a glass dimly, but I see face to face, at that point, I'm going to know way more about God than I know right now. And I'm going to get a theology upgrade. And so are you. So because of that, let's work for unity. And if you don't think that this is important to Jesus, you have to remember, Jesus actually prayed that the church would be unified. You don't believe me? John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23 says it this way. And the glory which you gave me, Jesus is speaking, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see what he's saying? That, that I want them to be one just as, just as Jesus is God in human form, God in Jesus, Jesus in us. He wants us together to, to, to have that, that unity, that oneness. And that's why, of course, we, we need to esteem others higher than ourselves. We need to be patient with one another because none of us are perfect. 
But where grace exists, there is the blessing of unity. And I believe that within the unity and diversity, because of the finished work of Jesus, of the church, there's so much that we can learn. One of the things I love so much about the people of God is that I learn from people who are older than me and younger than me. I learn from people who have been walking with Jesus longer than me, and I learn from people who have been walking with Jesus less time than I have. Right? There are every nationality, all these different things. There's so much diversity, and we're all on a different step of our faith journey. But when we let God's grace cover all of that stuff, we get to walk in this preciousness and this blessing that God has for us. And listen, as a church, you'll notice as a church, we don't publicly talk about other churches. We don't, we don't come down, oh, this is why we don't like that church. And that church. We don't do any of that stuff. And I want to encourage you as an individual member, because don't do any of that stuff. If you don't agree with somebody, unless you know them, and you can talk to them and say, hey, listen, I love you, but uh, you know, I'm taking the plank out of my own eye. Can we talk about the speck I see in your eye? We, just, we, have, you have, we have enough to handle in our own selves. Like, I got, enough, I got enough issues right here to worry about other pastors. We have enough things that God is doing at Crossroads to keep me abundantly busy. I'm not worried about other churches. But we live in a day and age now where everybody thinks that even though they don't go to church, that their job is to try and fix the church on social media or something. And I just think, what a colossal waste of the good energy God has given us. Because I'm here to tell you, unless you're in relationship, like, I'm here to tell you, you can't fix my family unless you're part of my family. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you can't affect change from the outside. Real change happens on the inside, right? And so when we're a part of a family, we need to make sure we devote our energy. Lord, how do I be an agent of unity? Like Jesus, in the midst of all these things that are going on. So the first blessing, of course, here is, is the blessing of unity. Now, as we move to Psalm 134, the last of these songs of ascent, and it... I, I love that this is the, the song. It's only three verses, but this is the last psalm that they would recite on these three pilgrim feasts. Look at what it says. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So we're going to talk about blessings. My friends, you and I, we need to bless the Lord. Like where we praise God, where we declare the goodness of God. And on this journey of life, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether it's something that we wanted or something we didn't want, whether things go the way we hoped that they would or completely the opposite, we need to learn how to bless the Lord in the midst of it. And we learn a lot about the heart or the the characteristics of the people who bless the Lord. Notice first, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. See, the only reason someone does not want to bless the Lord is when they don't see themselves as a servant of the Lord. And for me, it was a huge step when I first came to know Jesus to understand why would I want to be a servant? Because we live in a culture that says, listen, like serve yourself. Like everyone's here for you. Like everyone exists for your pleasure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see through the lens of the Holy Spirit, you see that unity is important. And you say, oh, I'm a servant of God. That, like, I have breath in my lungs because God has given it to me. Jesus is real. Without diversity, the world would lose its wondrous beauty. It's the variations in color and design, the different kinds of animals and plants, that each person is unique that makes this place so magnificent. But it can be easy to make those distinctions into divisions. 
Today, Pastor Daniel shared that one of the blessings God has for you lies in unity. His desire is that his people come together, unified because of who he is and what he's done. As Pastor Daniel shared, there are things we can all learn from each other, no matter where you're at on your faith journey. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world, and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share some more blessings that will shape the way you journey through life. One of these is rooted in worshiping God. Responding to Him with gratitude and praise keeps you grounded in what's true and what is essential, helping you move through life's highs and lows. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Way Up. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.